Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Well, welcome to Masterclass Theology. This is Big Rev. And Professor D. We are in our Session 7 finale of our Journey with Joseph, and we're excited to be here, aren't we, Mick? Yes, sir. Long last, we are in Genesis chapter 50, and we will be ending the Joseph story tonight, and at least the, the Joseph from the book of Genesis. And so we are going to be in Genesis chapter 50, and so let's open with a word of prayer, and then we will journey forth. God, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you for those listening on the podcast, and we're just so so grateful to be able to uh, have a conversation tonight through the final chapter of the life of Joseph and what an ending it is. And we just are, are so grateful for your word, Lord, and we get to study it. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're again in, in, in Genesis chapter 50. Uh, we will start with verses 1, 1, 2, and 3. And it says, Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph directed the physicians in his service to embalm his father Israel. So the physicians embalmed him, taking a full forty days, for that was the time required for embalming. And the Egyptians mourned him seventy days. Whoa, whoa! Jacob died. What yeah. happened? What, wow! When did this happen? Obviously, this was the chapters that we didn't do in ah. chapter forty-nine here. But yeah. well, how about you give us a quick recap of chapter forty-nine, would you please? Sure. Uh, chapter forty-nine was a very interesting chapter because it was a uh, Basically, uh, Jacob's last hurrah, his last words and blessings for his sons and whatnot. So it was kind of a strange mix of blessings and, and prophecies that he made. I mean, I could even almost say even, dare I say, cursings as well. Mm. Um, for instance, uh, the first three kids, he pretty much, uh, bam, bam, bam. You know, Reuben, you slept with my, my, my gal earlier? No, 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 you know. And he kind of pronounces a couple not so favorable things regarding Reuben and then, uh, with uh, Simeon and Levi concerning the uh, the Shechem incident, I'll refer to it as, mm. you know, um, and their excessive violence there. So he kind of lets them have it, kind of bringing. And again, like we we've been talking all along, it becomes Judah's story in a way as well as Joseph's and Jacob's. So Judah gets elevated here, and we finally get that moment where we know now that the Messiah is going to come from Judah's line. So that was kind of one of the big reveals of chapter 49. You know, that you, you heard it there first, that, that from the line of Judah was going to come the Messiah. Mm. So that was, that, which is kind of surprising because you would have figured, why not Joseph? Joseph's been the favorite son all along. I don't right. know. Right. But, you know, we've seen that as, as, the, as the book, of, as these chapters have been unfolding, that the Judah story seems to be put out there for a reason. And, and God... This is not an accident. So that's part of it as well. And then the other ones, it's just kind of a mixed bag of things that we will eventually see fulfilled during the, you know, further down the road. I mean, things that get fulfilled down in, in Joshua and even in the book of Judges, prophecies concerning some of the other tribes. Mm. And what was surprising to me, though, was, uh, was regarding Benjamin kind of having a kind of a vicious uh, little thing there as well. I guess I don't want to give everything away because we want to encourage the listeners to read and but it's kind of surprising although we will say this that as far as the benjamites are concerned the, the two most uh the 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 hall of fame as far as the benjamites are concerned are, are saul the first king of israel and saul of tarsus who later becomes paul yeah. and other than that that's pretty much their only claim to fame there but did jacob actually die did we miss that that was that was right there in chapter 49 okay so i've got a if, if you go back, it's a couple of verses from what I just read to you. Uh, it's a, in chapter 49, verse 29. Wait, did you say jo Joseph or Jacob? Jacob. Jacob, right, okay. Yeah. Yes, Jacob died. Too many J names. Well, yeah, because it's his opening section. He's, he's calling for dad to be embalmed. Like, whoa! Yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 the last time we heard from, from Jacob, he was blessing Pharaoh. And mm -hmm. Okay, so, so, so Jacob says, I'm going to be gathered to my people in verse 29 of chapter 49. I realize we're in chapter 50, but just going back a couple of verses. And they say, I'm about to be gathered to my people. And, he, and then he gives some instructions where to bury him. Mm -hmm. And then in verse 33, 
when Jacob had finished giving it. So literally one verse prior to where mm-hmm. I read, started reading tonight. Yes. When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last, and then was gathered to his people. Yeah. So we missed that not doing chapter 49, but that's okay. Uh, so Joseph then now throws himself on his father. So any thoughts here, Mick, regarding embalming? I don't know about you, but I realize we're in Egypt, but this is this is Jacob. This is the one that God renamed Israel himself. Mm. This is patriarch. This is huge embalming. Any thoughts here? You know, the only thought that came to my mind is when in Egypt, <laughs> you know, but I also think it speaks to the high regard that they had for him and everything too. I mean, I don't think embalming was not something that was done for everyone. You know, embalming was done for important people in Egypt. And mm. this is kind of a, an importance gesture, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And there might be some people that are listening to this who are, who are wondering about, well, can I, at least just kind of popped in my mind. Well, am I supposed to be buried, you know, whole, or am I allowed to be cremated? And I've heard people say things like cremation is kind of like a pagan practice. Well, the embalming is a pagan practice. Right. This is Egypt. I mean, I think it, at this point, all it's doing is, is telling us what happened. Mm. It's not telling us what to do here. You know, it's just telling us this is what happened. Mm. Just like you know, not everything that is is written in the Bible, especially in the narratives is meant for us to do or to do exactly like. Ironically, that's exactly how I view the book of Acts. Yeah. Telling us what happened, not necessarily telling us what, that we have to do it this At way. At the back of my mind, that was, that was right there too. <laughs> Great. Well, telling I, us what happened. It was uh, descriptive, not prescriptive. Right. You know? Well, I'm going to be rude and open up a Diet Coke here. because I'm going to read a lot. I forgot to do it, so that's going to sound really nice. Let me take one little sip. No, we're not sponsored uh, by Coca-Cola. We are not at all. That just happened to be what was in the office fridge here. And the good news is it was diet because uh, Big Rev is trying to be a little bit less big. So, okay. So we're that was one to three. Thanks for good, nice handling there of the embalming issue. That's just that's what happened. And it was respectful. And we think of embalming in terms of like the pharaohs and mm-hmm. the king tuts and the one the big mucky mucks. And, yeah. and so evidently he uh, Joseph's family, his, his pops got a royal treatment there. Okay, four to six of chapter 50. When the days of mourning had passed, and evidently we learned that was 70 days. When the days of mourning had passed, Joseph said to Pharaoh's court, If I have found favor in your eyes, you figure if anybody had found favor in in the court's eyes, it was Mm -hmm. Joseph, and he basically saved the nation. If I have found favor in your eyes, speak to Pharaoh for me. Tell him, My father made me swear an oath and said, I am about to die. Bury me in the tomb I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me go up and bury my father, then I will return. Pharaoh said, go up and bury your father as he made you swear to do. And again, you're going up because you're south in Egypt and you're kind of moving forward and going up mm-hmm. into the land of Canaan. Um, you're going from like the Nile River Valley up, you know, up into the higher. But yeah, okay, so go up there and you made me swear to do it. Okay, he made me swear and I want to do it and go up. So any thoughts on Joseph here? Um you know, the only thing that really came to mind was that, again, Joseph asking Pharaoh to do this and Pharaoh being very obliging in doing this kind of speaks to, uh, and I think this is where it's a good example, Joseph's, uh, the, one of the benefits of having a good work relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, Joseph did good work for the people that he worked under, we saw, and he always had their um, support because of that. And it's kind of a uh, kind of a re- repeated theme with with Joseph. I mean, when you think about early on in the story when we began, Joseph was kind of an employee for his dad as well. You know, giving him the reports on his brothers and whatnot. He did a good job. He was the one that was kind of favored for Jacob, besides being Rachel's son, but also for being good in that regard. When he was under Potiphar, when he w- mm-hmm. was under the, the jailer, always had good relationships. And now with the Pharaoh, a, a great relationship there too. As we see. And he's not trying to shirk any responsibilities. No, no, no. He says, I'm going to return. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if a later Pharaoh was trying to take Moses at that word. Mm-hmm. You know, let us go out and, and, and have a celebration in the wilderness and, and offer praise to our God and serve mm-hmm. our God. And maybe that Pharaoh thought, well, you're going to come back though, right? Yeah. Oh, Moses and Israelites. And well, here Joseph is flat out saying, 
let me go and bury my father, then I'm going to return. And yeah. there's uh, any, so what, what does Pharaoh do with it? Any, any thoughts, Professor D, on Pharaoh here? Well, this has been a very interesting Pharaoh because he's been a very good guy. He's very different than, than the ones that we're going to see in the book of Exodus, mm. that's for sure. So this Pharaoh, you know, thank God for it when it happens, you know, especially. It just happened to have been a very good cooperating relationship with, with Joseph and, mm. and his family. Yeah. I mean, even giving them the land of Goshen earlier on and, and all of that that went with that. This Pharaoh seems to give Joseph above and beyond even what he asks. Yeah. Let me have this little thing. and said, well, you're going to get that thing, and you're going to get all these things too. I think there's a lot of gratitude because, again, surviving those seven famine years was huge. Right. The fact that we saw that even Egyptians in, in the previous lesson were had to sell off everything and become slaves of the land. That was a really cool one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was kind of a big thing. But, again... So this Pharaoh is very grateful for everything that, that Joseph has accomplished for him. For any of you listening right now, if you just came came across this podcast at the very end of our journey, my goodness, go listen to Session 6. And if you're like me, you you, you couldn't just pick up a, a TV stream and, 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 and you know, Episode 4 or 5, you got to go back to Episode 1. So I recommend catch up with the Joseph story if you haven't already. It's been a great conversation. I've just been blessed to sit by my, Sit across the table from my good friend Mick here and to be able to discuss that. Well, our next session section is 7 to 14. It's a big chunk here. So Joseph went up to bury his father. All Pharaoh's officials accompanied him. The dignitaries of his court and all the dignitaries of Egypt, besides all the members of Joseph's household and his brothers and those belonging to his father's household, only their children and their flocks and herds were left in Goshen. Chariots and horsemen also went up with him. It was a very large company. When they reached the threshing floor of Atad, near the Jordan, they lamented loudly and bitterly. And there Joseph observed a seven-day period of mourning for his father. When the Canaanites who lived there saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, The Egyptians are holding a solemn ceremony of mourning. That's why they named the place near the Jordan as called Abel Mizraim, or Mourning of the Egyptians. So Jacob's sons did as he commanded them. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which Abraham had bought along with the field as a burying place from Ephron the Hittite. After burying his father, Joseph returned to Egypt together with his brothers and all the others who had gone with him to bury his father. I'm laughing wow. at verse 9. It was a very large company. It was company. a very large company. Duh. Yeah. I mean, just trying to imagine, I mean, it's chariots and horsemen, just the, the thundering of hooves and the, the clacking of wheels. That that must have been an impressive scene there. Yeah. All right, so so Mick, um, our first question here, does anything stand out to you as unique about this scene? Well, I, I mean, just, I mean just, that right there, the fact that you have all these officials, you know, the, the way it's, I'm, I'm going to kind of use the, their actual wordings, all the dignitaries of Egypt... I mean, that's got to be a pretty large party. Plus, you consider uh, Jacob's 12 sons. That, that is a pretty large party going down there. Mm. I mean, I mean that, that's got to that's draw anybody's attention. You know, this royal caravan going down there. I mean, it is, this is so big that even the Canaanites are like, whoa, that they even renamed the place. Mm. I think that says something. Well, especially with Egypt being the... the the geopolitical power of the time yeah. to having Egyptian chariots start coming through. Yeah. That would have, that would have been said something, oh, yeah. especially if you consider the land of Palestine there, the, the, the ancient Roman province of Palestine, if you consider that land as kind of like the, the pass through land mm -hmm. to get from Egypt to maybe Babylon or the, the Mesopotamia area. Yeah. If that was like a road going right through there, Number one, you see how there was a very valuable section of land right by the sea, but it, you can imagine Egyptian chariots passing oh, yeah. through there if, if need be. Um, I'd like to think that maybe maybe Pharaoh was hedging his bets here a, a bit and sending a delegation to make sure he returns, but that that's kind of overthinking because he left they left their kids back home. Yeah. 
So they're not gonna they're not gonna just all of a sudden set up well, shop, you know. In well, Canaan. we've seen a lot of cases though where a lot of these guys haven't exactly been the parents of the years and brothers of the years <laughs> and, or anything of any any year. They so, they weren't winning any trophies. Yeah, and, yeah. So I mean, you know, I mean, I, 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 who knows? Who knows? Right. And you know, on the other side, you can imagine that Pharaoh is showing a lot of respect here. I think it's mostly that, though. I think that's the way it's been built up through the narrative. We, if we let the word speak for itself, that is what they've been. The scripture has been showing us all along. You know, sure, we can imagine some things from from just from humanly understanding of things and we know that these people are not they're rooted in reality but the fact that it matters i think it speaks to to the fact that joseph had a very good relationship with the pharaoh in egypt right. he had and, a good thing for himself there and it wasn't like joseph was raised running back to canaan to raise up an army because yeah in the context of everything everybody is still starving yeah so it's not exactly. like it's not like an army was going to be fed exactly with the exception of Goshen, right, and the family back back in their new home. So yeah, th- this is this the, the the common reading here is, is is Pharaoh showing great respect to to essentially to Joseph's pops. Yeah, and that's really what it is. Yeah. someone important to Joseph. Well, he becomes important to me. Yeah, I'll do right by him because you're important to me. Yeah, and a number of a number of us have friends that feel that that are so close to us or like family, and when they when our friends mourn, we mourn with them, and when well, who they celebrate. We want to lift them up too. And so, all right. So verse 12 here. Uh, Verse 12, I'll just read it again. So Jacob's sons did as he had commanded them. And that's the reason I didn't read that chunk when I was reading that little bit from chapter 49. I I just kind of started at verse 29. And then then Jacob goes on and describes all these scenes. Because I knew he was going to say that here Mm -hmm. in verse 12, the, the field of Machpelah. Okay. And so... Jacob's sons did as he commanded them. So my my question for you, Professor D, is this. How is verse 12 a fitting ending for the sons with their dad, especially considering their history with him? Oh, my big thing was like, finally obedient. <laughs> it's like, here's you get them. They finally all obeyed them. And it's kind of like, a, you know, if there was ever a time where they could have gotten away with it, right. this, this, was, this was it. But no, they actually honored his wishes. And I mean, to their credit... I think this also shows whether weak or strong, they had faith in God, mm. and I and I think that, that that that's a nice thing. And I think for all of us, it's a good reminder. It's never too late to start obeying. And you know, we, forget we see whatever this. our past has been, whatever mistakes right. we, we we've made. You know, whoever we think we are, or whatever we've done, mm-hmm. there's there's never a, a time not to start obeying. That's a fabulous point, and. Here they are, even though it, it, their father couldn't receive it. Yeah, it's like they're able to still honor his legacy, yeah. whatever it is. And so that's just it's that's a great point. It's never it's never too late to to make the right choice. Yeah, and to make the the choice that honors others. And it's never too late to deny yourself. Yeah, it's never too late to practice good godly principles. I mean, we see these in like even secular movies. Yeah, where. A prisoner on death row gets a final meal, and, and right before he dies, does the prisoner wish to say final words? Mm-hmm. It's like this guy is, is on death row for a reason. He's scum of the earth, but his final words get respect. There's yeah. something about it. We, we will at least listen to you right now. Yeah. And, you know, you're probably not going to talk for a you know, whole sermon, but we'll listen to your final words. And so we have some final words of, of, of Jacob, you know, the previous chapter. And these sons weren't the greatest, as you put it, they... They weren't sons of the year yeah. either, you know. the the whole The whole Joseph story started with them manipulating Dad, yeah, and believing Joseph was killed, and then, you know, okay, where's he at? But here they honored Dad's final words. Mm-hmm. That's something you would see even just pagan secular movies doing. Yep, where it's like, okay, well, Dad died. I realized we weren't the best sons, but you know what? He he gave us his final command, and we got to do it. Well, yeah. you didn't really care about him when he was alive. Oh, it was his final command. We got to honor it. Okay. Yeah. It's just that's something our culture will just gravitate to. Yeah. And so even back then, they would read this story and go, that's right. That's what you do. And so, wow. I mean, that's, that's, that's nice. And they, they came through for their dad. And so, yes, it seems like it is a fitting ending for their story with Jacob. And they, they treated him right with their, um, 
Yeah, that's great. Um, any any last thoughts here on this this section here before we move forward? Well, it's kind of funny because you would think, okay, so this is the end of the book of Genesis, right? <laughs> oh no, there's more. Yeah, and so they did they come back yet? Okay, Joseph returned to Egypt. Okay, they're all back now. So they've gone. They were there for seventy days. They did what they said what they're going to do. Now they return, and so now we now we get to the part we've all been waiting for. Well. Almost. Almost. Well, we've we, still got 15 through 18. We, we've still got it, but we're, we're, we're finally at this, this last part of the journey. 15 to 18, here we go. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us? <laughs> Sorry. Just read it, man. <laughs> what, if, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When the message came to him, Joseph wept. So evidently they were separated from Joseph. Mm -hmm. That Joseph must have gone ahead because they were sending a message to him. Mm -hmm. Maybe they went back to Goshen. The text doesn't say, but they did say he had to, they had to send a message ahead. So... Uh, his brothers, verse 18, we are, yeah, verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. So the verse previous, Joseph wept and his brothers then came and threw themselves down. Well, my goodness, Mick, how do you view these three verses? Well, for one thing, um, actually four verses, isn't it? It is, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but that aside... You know, <laughs> the thing is that we see that what they, they tell Joseph right off, and it, it just doesn't ring true. It, it, it doesn't ring. Maybe it happened off page. I doubt it. Again, based on the way the narrative's been going, it, the fact that they're even talking about each other, like they're planning this, I, I am 99.99% sure that Jacob would never have said something, especially after chapter 49, which we didn't read, where you see what jo Jacob has to say about his sons. Mm. And I think part of that is also tied because he knows who his sons are. Mm. You know, the whole thing that where he even brings up the fact that, uh, Reuben, you slept with my woman. Mm. You know, he brings it up. And so he knows who his sons are. And he, I doubt he would say something like that. Yeah. yeah, I find it ironic that if you go back to our very first session... And this just kind of popped into my head right now. Mm. If you go back to our very first session, you know, Jacob sends Joseph to go deliver a message, go check on his brothers, and he finally finds where they're at, and they see him. Yeah. And here comes the dreamer. So it's like they're talking about him. Yeah. And they're, they're, they, had this, they, had, they had this narrative about their brother so that when they see their brother, a plan quickly comes into action, yeah. and they, they spring. So we see a narrative here as well. Yeah. And I kind of chuckled at it because... They haven't been concerned about Joseph this whole time. Yeah. But now that the deed is done, what if he bears a grudge right, against this me? This is 17 years. Because remember, we read <laughs> in the earlier chapter that that uh, Jacob lasted 17 more years before wow. he passed away. So this is 17 years later now. And again, here's the thing. that We also have to think, if that was such, if that were true, wouldn't Jacob have told Joseph directly? I mean, he had right. all this solo time. Joseph seems to have been the only one present when Jacob died. And, and, and J Jacob pronounced the blessings and everything to Joseph. So the other guys weren't even present for that, to the best of my, my understanding. I would have thought that Jacob would have told him, oh, by the way, this is important too. Don't take it out on your brothers. He didn't say it in chapter 49. Family's family. Yeah, yeah you know, so he didn't say that. So, th again, this whole thing, basically, you know it's, it's, it's their concoction. Um, they're scared. And they're obviously. bringing God, too. Yes. <laughs> they they Please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. So they're scared. They're they're scared. Well, what what is something that that could be good about this though? Like, what are they doing that a villain doesn't usually do? In terms of what are they asking for? They are they are asking for forgiveness. I mean, it's a roundabout way to go about it. They're First, saying Dad I, commanded it. Yeah, but I mean, it's. They're worried about something they should be worried about. Yeah. 
they're not saying, hey, dad expects this, so now do it, you know, and we'll just sit here waiting for it. You know, I was saving this for a later point, but it's, it's, it's as good as time as any to bring it up. In chapter 45, Joseph right off the bat tells him, hey, I'm not holding this against you. Right. A.K.A., you know, I, th this is forgiven. That's, that's basically what he's saying, you know. Yeah. And then he goes on to, into a big speech about that in chapter 45. This is, don't worry about it. He, ha he had his perfect revenge moment, and he didn't take it. Why is he going to take it now, 17 years later? Right. I mean, these guys, there's just kind of something that they still have these old patterns and ways of thinking that they just can't shake off. Now, again, I believe they're, they are saved. I believe they have faith in God. But I believe they, they, they're guys that are, that are struggling all the way through. Not, like, not unlike their father, Jacob. Who struggled with his faith all the way through. And here they're saying to, to Joseph, your father, mm -hmm. not our father, mm -hmm. just as a reminder, hey, you know, remember he's your dad. You, your father gave yeah. us his, I mean, this, it's, I mean, I guess, do they have a point? As some, I put their, in their emotional kind of thing here, we do kind of see a bit, The I, I think I agree with you that there's something nefarious about this, or at the minimum, manipulative mm -hmm. it's like their manipulative side is ready to it's like knocking at the door of their yeah. heart ready to come out boy that was louder than i thought it was gonna be that knock but it's like it's ready to jump out so at the last second they're ready to you know to throw something out there i mean I'll, I'll give an example like in, in in the new testament we have peter we we everybody knows peter's faults i feel sorry for peter on so many levels because i mean if all of my stuff was put out there like like peter's stuff Mm -hmm. I would be embarrassed to no end. But so Peter becomes this great leader in the book of Acts, you know, for the church. And then when you get to the book of Galatians, which is at least a decade, I believe, after a lot of the church has been around, Paul has to confront Peter because Peter falls back into default modes yeah. of, of, of being. I mean, it just goes to show you a, a great Christian like Peter, a leader like Peter, mm. falls into default modes. These guys who were never great to begin with, who never got to the point that Peter did, spiritually, maybe Judah, but not really the rest of them, they, it's something, and you know, and if we're honest, you and I, we, we default occasionally to, to things that we shouldn't either. Right. And I, and I just think it's just a sad statement about human nature. They're called hurts, habits, and hang-ups for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, we, so this, this rightly looks at the villains here, but I know the next section is going to focus on Joseph. Yeah. But we can't leave this section because Joseph is mentioned. Yeah. So the the tail end of verse seventeen, when their message came to him, Joseph wept. What in the world might have been going through Joseph's mind? They just got done asking for forgiveness. They gave some story about it. Whether yeah. he believes it or not, it doesn't say. Yeah. Whether it was true or not, it doesn't say. Right. But he gets this now. Please forgive the sins of the servants of God of your father. And that would have meant something mm -hmm. to Joseph, who's been the spokesperson for God, as it were. Yeah. You know? And so when their message came to him, Joseph wept. What might be going on through his mind? Well, to cause him to weep. As far as Joseph weeping, first of all, they're, they're living, they are going through still an emotional time with the, with the passing of their father. So there's already a lot of uh, emotions going on here. But at the same time, you kind of are reopening this wound mm. on top of everything. You know, so you're reopening this old wound, and it's kind of like, man, you know, I forgave you guys, and now you guys are... There's, I think even when, when we forgive people, there's always a temptation to kind of like um, unforgive them, so to speak. You know, and, 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 and I'm like, I, I'm like... And then Joseph's always been known for being a Niagara Falls kind of guy, you know? He cries about <laughs> everything. I see what you're saying. The temptation is... I'll forgive you of the principle, but I'm going to leave the juice running. Yeah. Um, you know what? Interest. So I guess in like a campfire image, I'll put out the fire, but I'll leave the embers mm. going just so I can yeah. blow on them at a moment's notice and have, yeah. have a flame again. And it's the, that's forgiveness is for many people is that, you know, they'll say it, but they're always keeping something going. I think we're honest with ourselves, depending on, on the kind of hurt that we've had. It's hard. It really is hard. <laughs> And if anybody would be justified with that bitter mentality uh -huh. against those guys, yeah. this victim against those, those villains. If, if anyone would be deemed right by the world, yeah. this, this is the guy. And yet, 
he hears these words or reads these words, however the message came to him. Mm. It just said the message came to him. Mm. He weeps. And I just think that says a lot about Joseph. Yeah. Once again, yeah, he's been Niagara Falls. He's been a very emotional guy. But it's like he's always looking for an opportunity mm-hmm. to not be about himself. Yeah. To not seek his way. To maybe show grace, to maybe reassure, to maybe do something that I know our world doesn't. It's guys, it's like the blessed are the peacemakers that yeah. Jesus would later go to in Matthew five. Mm-hmm. It's like we're seeing a sign of that here. We're not getting the text telling us when the message came to him, Joseph crossed his arms and said, "You're right." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally, or you know, yes, or no. It's, it becomes an emotional moment for him. Yeah. But not a bitterly emotional moment. We we don't get that idea that he's being bitter here. Right. And and, and, and you know, as, as we're gonna read on in the text, we're gonna see this. Right. So, I, I, I just I just find it the, the great ending of our story yeah. is gonna be just magisterial and this perfect theological moment here. I like that we get just a moment here before everything yeah. happens. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and even going to the comment I made earlier, you know, like it could have ended in verse fourteen, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. It would be an unsatisfying end, but it could it could have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, it also could have ended if this was be like a a Hollywood movie, and then Joseph. Now that Dad is gone, Joseph exacted his vengeance mm-hmm. upon all all of his enemies, yeah. and and rode off into the sunset. You know, emotionally, you know, complete or something or hey, something. If Tarantino had his rewrite, <laughs> that's exactly what would have happened. Yeah, I mean, it would be bullets, and I mean, it would have been yeah, it would have been crazy, but. That's just not. That's just not the narrative, right. and we see here villains who are not staying villains anymore, and who are even though they're manipulating about yeah. it, the heart of their message is we were wrong, yeah, and please forgive us, yeah. If nothing else, because Dad told you to, but we were still we're not negating the fact that we're wrong, and there's something to be said about that. Yeah, they they they, they did it the wrong way, but they did the right. Yeah. Way. I mean, they didn't, they didn't, the irony is they didn't need to concoct this story. Right. And that's the point you made earlier, that Joseph's already reassured them. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think we've milked everything we can out of those verses. And now we, now we come to some good stuff. Yes. 19 to 21. It's, we've been waiting for this. This is, this is the moment, finally. Uh, And, but before we get there, one last question. Would you say... That Joseph's two original dreams, that they're they're fulfilled now. Oh, uh, they were fulfilled already. Okay, so they're they're done. Yeah, it's like so we we see that here one last stroke here in verse eighteen. Yeah, they came. So the original original dream about the the sheaves of wheat standing in the mm-hmm. field and one stood up straight and the mm-hmm. others bowed down before him. The reason that's coming to my mind is that's one last time. Yeah. I think it all happened, especially right. once Jacob was there. Right. And I'm assuming, because the text doesn't really tell us this, but at least one of the mothers might have been around as a representative mother. I'm not sure about that. But I think, you know, knowing that God tends to give uh, prophecies that... I'm trying, I'm trying to word this properly. When he says something, he fulfills it to a T. So I have to at least believe that one of the mothers might have been present there for that. Right. And so that original drama, were we all going to bow down before you? Yeah. Yes, you are. And they did. And you did. And they did. And we we actually would expect the text to read otherwise. We would expect to say, hear this, they bow down before him. We are your slaves, they say. We would expect Joseph to weep then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That that would be the moment we'd expect. Because at that point, it would read like, you know what? I got thrown in prison and sent into slavery. Mm-hmm. I got all this junk in my life because of that stinking dream. Yeah. And now it's come true. Yeah. That would have been an emotionally fulfilling thing. I mean, that would have been watching a prequel to a sequel and seeing yeah. something come through and it'd be, it's a dramatic moment for you. That would have been a great moment for, for Joseph if that was indeed the way it was. But instead, he simply just receives their message. They're, they're not even in his, in his presence. He just gets gets a note or something, and he weeps. And then they come, and they don't come going, eh, eh, what are you going to do? Are you going to forgive us? I mean, did you get our message? You know, well, what are you going to do? No, I mean, I give them credit. They still came. Yeah. And they came not knowing what he was going to do. And, yeah, they threw themselves down. We are your slaves. 
And but all right, so I said we milked everything out of that. Yeah. We had to milk some more. Okay, no more, no more waiting. Nineteen to twenty-one. But Joseph said to them, "Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done—the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children." And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I just want to read that pivotal line again. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Wow. Mm -hmm. This is the mic drop moment. Of what does verse moment. 19 communicate? Verse 19 communicates that God is the judge. God is the judge. Vengeance is his, as such. Uh, he's the only one that can carry out justice. So they have no reason to fear him. They had nothing to fear for him. And, and, and Joseph learned this lesson a long time ago. And he's basically letting his brothers know, you know, I'm not God. So I it would be God. appropriate to fear God at that point. Mm -hmm. That that could be an undercurrent to what oh, he's yeah, saying yeah. here. You, you fear God. Don't yeah. fear me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about me. I am not God. Fear God. Mm. Justice belongs to God. Hmm. Well, the great perspective here, the great perspective. Thoughts here. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Wow. This is so good. I mean, it just goes to show you that no matter what evil we set out to do, whatever evil we've done, God overrides evil. God overrides any evil we can do. This is the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. Hmm. All things work for the good of those. Right. Yeah. Now, now, I guess it would be fitting to ask ask the ones listening to us right now. Joseph is saying these words. Yeah. The one who had been the victim. Yes. He wasn't the villain. He was the victim. All these things had been done to him. He had been harmed. He had been mistreated. He had been you know sold into slavery, essentially left for dead. He had been lied about. He had had a narrative, the gossip, all these things. He had been falsely imprisoned. He had gone through all, all these things. Mm -hmm. And then in that moment, he realized that this was God, not them. Right. It's like, what you intended was bad, but God, even though what I've gone through, I've, I'm not a fan of, God intended that for good. Mm -hmm. There's good here. Even though I suffered... Even though I spent all my life wondering why or mm -hmm. whatever it is. I, I spent all my life with this, never getting the answers I needed till the very end. Yeah. It's as if to say God was enough because God intended all this for good. Could there be good that comes out of our suffering? Apparently so. I mean, even when bad when people do bad things to us, that could be good. Like there could be God God takes what is horrible from our perspective and is able to make this like his god's intentions for those things if god is real and god is good mm. the answer is yes when you don't have god in 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 the picture that can't be the case but the fact that god is mm. you know genesis 1 1 starts right off the bat in the beginning god created and it doesn't even start explaining anything about god other than god is you know he is we're going to tell you right right off the bat. This is what he does. Mm. You know, it doesn't go into explaining why God is there. How is he God? It just explains this. He's God. He made it. Yeah, I. One of the things that I wrestle with in, in terms of when people talk about God is when they when they say things like, "Well, God allowed this or God allowed that," and. I don't think you can make the argument that God allowed Joseph's suffering. And here's why. Mm -hmm. I look at verse 20, mm -hmm. exactly what he says. You intended to harm me. So there's a sovereignty yeah. thing there. He's telling them, you sovereignly chose in your understanding, you were going to harm me. And yeah. it's clear they did. Let us throw yeah. him in a pit. Let us do this. They harmed him and they intended, they made a choice to harm him. He uses that exact same word to describe, that exact same idea to, mm -hmm. now to describe 
but now God intended. Yeah. So this is not so much, you know, you intended to harm me, but now God simply allowed this. No. God's sovereignty is overriding your choices here. Yeah. What you think was your choices, actually God was using your horrible choices. It's like God's intending something greater that you can possibly imagine, even in the midst of your horrible choices. Yeah. So I don't see God allowing anything. No, here. basically it goes to show you that evil just can't win against God. Yeah. That's what it really It's a great point. Evil can't. God's going to allow free will because evil can't win. Evil can't beat him. You know, and someone might say, you know, I, I heard a story once where someone, you know, his brother died and, 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 and at, at the funeral, a bunch of people heard the gospel. They got saved and the person was kind of bitter about it. said, you know what? God could have saved those people any way he chose. My brother didn't have to die for that to happen. And that's how he was wrestling with it. So mm. some of us might look at this and say, oh, well, you know, God could have done it another way. Joseph didn't have to go through, you know, 60 years of hell or you know, 40 of those years or whatever. He didn't have to go through all these things for God to do this. And that's not what Joseph says. Whether or not that's true theologically, that's mm. not Joseph's story. Mm. Joseph says, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish. So it's as if to say, God didn't allow what you did to me. God caused all this. Mm -hmm. This was, God's not sinning, of course, mm -hmm. but God is the one behind this plan in order to accomplish something even far greater. Mm -hmm. Salvation. Yeah. There's something about this. And, you know, that's, we look at what happened. The most unjust thing of all time wasn't Joseph. It was Jesus. Right. I mean, and God, it was God's will, as Isaiah 53 tells us, it was the Lord's will to crush him. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was crushed. And because of that seemingly horrible thing, what amazingly good came out of that. Mm -hmm. And Joseph being, I see a great foreshadowing here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the midst of our suffering, especially there might be people out there who have really hurt you, who have really been the villain in your life and you're sitting there as a victim and you're reading these words and going, it must be nice, but you can't say it must be nice because this is a, this is the victim of victim saying this. This is the one who had been hurt the most. Yeah. And even he was able to have this perspective. Yeah. I think that challenges all of us. It, it does. It really does. To see what God's plan, like how could God be at work in my life? Not, not so much as it's, it's okay. What's God trying to teach me? I don't see God trying to do anything. It's like, what is God expecting me to learn in my hardship? Mm -hmm. And at some point, this gives evidence that Joseph had pondered that mm -hmm. and had come up with a theologically satisfying answer. Yeah. So when he finally gets this moment, he sees what God's been doing. It's just kind of like we don't get this. We've mentioned this before. Yeah. We don't get this in the book of Esther. Yes. How God's moving the chess pieces. But for some reason, Joseph sees God moving the chess pieces. Yeah. And he calls it out in a way that Mordecai really didn't. Right. We kind of hinted at it, mm -hmm. being raised for a time like this, as such as this. But Joseph is as if he sees God moving the chess pieces. So he's like, okay, so I'm in prison. God's accomplishing something. And it's, it's huge. I mean, and he constantly name drops God. Yeah. When he talks about who's interpreting the dreams, he says, it's not really me. It's God who can interpret mm. the dreams. This is huge. Yeah. You can't, you, you can't get bigger. In fact, I would put this... The, 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 this little saying of Joseph here in these three verses, this is up there, I would put it in the entire Old Testament at minimum, top ten. Yeah. It's like if you can have this perspective, so I journey with people who are bitter, who people have really mistreated them, and they've, they've been abused, or they've gone through you know bullying, or they've gone through seasons of their life where villains had just really plagued on them and just really did horrible things to them. And they're looking back and they're trying to figure, do I forgive? What do I do? This was years ago, but how do I move forward? What do, what do I do in my heart? And we read these verses together and I, say, and I just tell them, I don't know if I can tell you what to do in your heart right now. Yeah. I just want you to take these verses in, see who is saying them, what happened to him, and how he's still able to have that perspective. Yeah. This perspective is everything. Yes. And I... And just I, I just invite the people that I journey with, just could you wrestle with this a bit? Mm -hmm. Could you, because again, if Joseph can say that, uh, you may not have gone through more than he has. And he's able to say that to the people who did it to him. Mm -hmm. And proclaim, and then, then to take one more step. Now don't be afraid. I'm even going to provide for you. Yeah. 
it's like you're going to get grace upon grace about this. Yes. Not only don't fear, you're not going to get what you deserve. You're also going to get what you don't deserve. Yeah. There's mercy, then there's grace. And there's reassurance. This is huge. Yes. Wow. This is the moment that we've been waiting for, that we've been holding uh, kind of everything not to to leak or, or, or bring spoilers to because we wanted to get to We this wanted part. to. We were so anxious to get to this part. We, we wanted to reassure Joseph when he was languishing in the prison. Yeah. We wanted to reassure him when the, uh, was it the cupbearer did, didn't remember him? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, or, was, yeah, we wanted to reassure him when, when, when Potiphar's wife was making accusations. We wanted to reassure him while he was being carted off with the Ishmaelites. Mm-hmm. We wanted to get to this point to hang on, pal. God's mm-hmm. at work. We, we were trying to do that with the Esther story. We we were our tension in that story. If you if you if if you're on our podcast, you're obviously listening right now. Go to the episodes tab and, and click back to our Esther series. Our whole series we wrestled with that. Where is God? Mm-hmm. He's not overtly in the text. Is he at work? We know he's at work. We just can't prove it, and we can't prove that they know it either. Mm-hmm. And it, are they ever going to realize this? Or how can we ever land the plane? And I believe we even mentioned Joseph's story a couple of times. Like, you know, he at least can realize it. And he does. Mm-hmm. And because he realizes that you intended it for evil, to no, you intended for harm me, but God intended for good. To be able to have that perspective when people intend to harm you, to see what God's doing. And when you're in the midst of your suffering, to be able to ask God, what about this is good? What are you trying to teach? Or rather, what are you expecting me to learn? I know in half my half my life, you know, having MS and at times suffering greatly, at times, you know, not so much, but always is some. I've asked that question of myself and just, well, what what does God expect me to learn during this time? And honestly, it's taught me greatly to depend upon him. Yeah. At the very minimum, if nothing else good happens from this, it has brought me humility and has taught me to depend upon God, to have a very simple faith that depends upon God. And so... That right there, MS is not good. My suffering, I don't look at that and go, wow, that's great. I want other people to have that. No, I don't. But I want other people to have that faith. Yeah. That, that for me is you can have that faith too, a faith that depends upon God even when things happen. Mm-hmm. And this was nobody doing anything to me. This is just, it just happened. It just, it just, it's a disease. It's just, I, I couldn't make it happen or not happen. It just happened. So to have that perspective that says God, because really what it's saying is, right, God is good. Yeah. And so for this to happen, I trust God, so there's something good here. Yes. I mean, at the, at the, at the bare minimum, God is good. Yeah. Good, good God wins. Amen. Good God wins. Evil doesn't stand a chance. I, li- I like that where you said, well, that was our big moment, but Joseph's not done yet. He's going to finish out his life here. So we're going to be in 22 to 26 next Joseph stayed in Egypt along with his father's family. He lived 110 years. He saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. And so Ephraim being one of his sons. Yes. Okay, so he got to see great, he was been great, great, or great, great, great grandpa at that point. Yeah. He got to see the third generation of his children. My goodness. Also the children of Machir, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Wow. Thus ends the story of Joseph. And thus ends, I believe, the book of Genesis. Yes. How does Joseph's remaining years end, Mick? Well, they're, they're uh, I would, I would, I, to put it negatively, uneventful. To put it positively, peacefully. Mm-hmm. He got to see, you know, his, his uh, children grow up to the third generation of Ephraim being his second child, you know, so he, he, he lived a good life. Maybe he didn't live as long as his uh, forefathers did, but, but he lived a good life. 
You know, one of the things that surprises me, though, is that uh, I can't believe Joseph's brothers outlast him because they're older than him. <laughs> Obviously, I, I don't think it means all, all ten of them probably were there, but just the fact that, you know, there were still some of the older ones that outlived him. I mean, he, he, he has had a hard life. I he mean, did, he did, but he also had a very princely existence. He, he, he did have the ending too. was nice, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is, you know. Um, did did Joseph end well? He did. That's a great lesson to learn in life. Yes. End well. He did end well. You're ending a job. End that job well. Yes. It's it's just it's just something about this. You only have one one opportunity to end, so you might as well end well. Yeah. And or finish well. Yeah, I would say yeah. He ends well, and and my goodness. Um, it's the happily ever after we wanted. So from a, from a from a particular perspective, yeah. Exactly. So we we uh, we ended last time with a connection to Hebrews chapter eleven. He, Hebrews eleven, and this is if you, if you're a, a New Testament person, you you enjoy that chapter. That's yeah. kind of called the Hall of Fame or of Faith. And there's a verse twenty two in there, and it says this: By faith, this is Hebrews chapter eleven, verse twenty two. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. So he's saying, by faith. So, so somehow, Joseph, being a man of faith, was able to say, and he says in verse 24, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that something's going on there. And a lot of that has to do with the promises that have been passed on from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph knew that. He knew this wasn't it. Uh, We saw in the earlier chapters when Jacob was on his way to Egypt that he had this kind of little, he wrestled with this, you know, this thing like, I don't know, I mean, we're supposed to be in Canaan. This is where God, and and God has to kind of comfort him in in, in a vision, tell him, relax, go ahead, don't worry. You'll be fine. Just go go ahead with this. this. I've approved this trip for you, you know? And so they know that based on the promises God has made, the, the, Abra- the Abrahamic covenant, mm. they're going to be back in the land of Canaan. And Joseph, the fact that he's asking, hey, you got to take my bones back. You, you know, you got to swear that you're going to take, tells you that he really believed this. This it's, is, a, I, I, yeah, absolutely a faith moment here. And I like it because there's a tension. The, yeah. te- the tension is back to... You intended it for to harm me, but God mm-hmm. intended it to good to accomplish what's now being done, the saving of many lives. So yeah. here it is, being in Egypt with a famine or whatnot, all this was orchestrated by God to get his people actually out of the promised mm-hmm. land and into Egypt where they could be saved. And now God's going to come to your aid, which means that you were going to be in some kind of a trial yeah. requiring salvation again. And now God, now salvation wasn't going to be in Egypt. Salvation was yeah. going to be from Egypt. And yeah. so this sets to kind of like, you know, a coming and a going. Yeah. And there's a narrative there where it's going to feed right into the next, the next chapter of the Bible, which is Exodus chapter 1. Right. But the, the author of Hebrews, so if, if we didn't have the author of, the, of Hebrews giving us this moment here, this midrash on Joseph's story, we'd be left with that tension. Mm-hmm. Like, no, wait a minute. All this, all the whole climax of this was God meant this for good to get you here to save your life, but now there's going to be an issue where God's going to have to take you out of here. We would have that tension. Yeah, and but so, I think one of the things that we've seen in Genesis, and I think that it's just the fact that we see the detours serve a purpose. Mm. God is constantly using detours, and He used Amen. the detours in the life of Joseph. Now He's using the, this particular detour of Egypt for the whole. Mm basically a nation of Israel. But it's serving a purpose. And he's setting things up. And burying me back there in the promised land. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm as an Egyptian as anybody else now. Yeah. You think, in reality, I yeah. belong buried with my father. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah. And so that's faith. And there's something about that that's able to see God's hand at work. Yeah. Any, any closing thought regarding uh, the session seven here? Um, I realize we're... We're kind of at the 53rd minute moment here. We'll, we'll, we'll try to be a little fast. I mean, it all comes down to, to, to me, it's always, as we enter this series, I've been eyeing chapter 50, verse 20. Mm. You know, you intended this for evil, but God intended it for good. 
that is one of the most comforting verses mm. in both Old New Testament. Amen. I mean, just just like I said, I've called the Romans eight twenty eight of the Old Testament, and that's one of the top five verses for mm. me. So it's this great. one's kind of it's it's it, it's 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 great. Forbear. I love how grace and mercy are right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Everything there, hope, comfort, everything's there, man. Don't be afraid. You're not going to get what's coming to you. God is good. Good gonna, wins over. I'm going to provide for you. You're going to get what you don't deserve as it's well. It's all there. Yeah, that's great. What was your What was your favorite moment from this? All right. Well, this moment. So I, moment, I'm just going to agree with you. Yeah. My own closing thought for this session: You can't beat this. Yeah. This is the best. The The moment where Joseph finally reveals to his brothers. It's me. <laughs> that has got to be the moment. And I even wrote it down because I actually kind of want to get, again, referencing back to Genesis 45, verse 5. This is Joseph speaking. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here to preserve lives, to mm. save lives. Wow. Kind of like the, the precursor to 50-20. We wanted to jump on that, didn't we? Yeah. Oh yeah, Genesis, <laughs> Genesis on a whole is, is is a story of things going wrong, and you're saying, like, what what now? Evil always rears its face. There was paradise, evil came up, but evil doesn't win. God wins. That's kind of the big thing there that, I, that I'm looking at. My my friend Terry calls Genesis the onset of sorrow, but the dawn of hope. Yes, and there's hope here. Yeah, oh yeah. And Joseph's story reminds us of that hope. Yeah, my, my favorite part of our journey, make is something I did not intend. I, I fully intended it to be this moment here and yeah. just jumping on this. And this is obviously the best moment. You, yeah. you It's hard to beat this moment in the Old Testament. You have to basically go to Jesus himself to beat this in the Bible. Or it's, 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 hard, it's hard to be better than this moment right here. Yeah. But my favorite moment in our journey so far, I didn't see coming, it was, and you have to go back a few sessions uh, oh, podcast listener, but when we looked at Judah and Joseph, mm -hmm. the whole discussion of the villain doesn't have to stay the villain. Mm -hmm. There's hope for the villain. Yeah. And the victim, there's reassurance there too. The victim can actually show grace. Yeah. And it can show, and the power that a victim has to forgive the villain and the, the grace that can come to a villain when he humbles himself. Yeah. Before the ones he hurt. Yeah. There's hope for the villain. Yeah. That just seeing Judah's story come to a head. Yeah. The worst of the worst to find grace and to find mercy and of all places from the one he hurt the most. Mm -hmm. I love that hope for the villain. And that just seeing Judah's story, because we all look at, we're looking at Joseph here, like, oh, this is Joseph's story coming to a head. But yeah, but on the, in, the mean, in the meantime, Grace was given to the villain. Yeah. And the villain, to some degree, is each of us. Yeah. To see Judah's story come to a head, to come to a fulfillment. If we're honest with ourselves, we're more villain than victim. Amen. That meant the most to me. Yeah. And the fact that it's, you know, it had come to your mind and I jumped on it and it came to my mind. It was one of those things that happened organically in our conversation. Yeah. But as we slowly began to realize that, wow, Look at, look at how God is taking Judah of all people. And that's the beauty of the approach of going into God's word with the intent of listening to it instead of us trying to bring our mm -hmm. own ideas and thoughts into it. Wow. It's, it's just great. I mean, it's, we, we love the perspective that Joseph has. Yeah. And it's a perspective that we all need. Mm -hmm. But we also love the fact that even, even the ones who did the worst... If they have the right attitude, and that attitude is humility, there's hope for them too. Yeah. And that's that's really the best part about the gospel message. Yeah. Is like in a Romans five sense, and while we were still God's enemies. Yes. It's like He died for us. I mean, it's like Jesus died for us. Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. There's that's that that's the greatest possible hope, and that's a hope that Judah got to see. Yeah. And that's a hope that Joseph got to give. Yes. That's what a villain gets to have, gets to receive who's humble. And a victim gets to extend that grace. That is the best of possible things right there for any of us who's been hurt. 
for any of us who's also done bad things. What a journey, my friend. I'm so honored. And we will continue this next week. Uh, we will continue our discussions. We will be in, uh, we're going to be discussing some great theology. And we're going to be going through New Testament epistles starting in Galatians. So we will be in Galatians chapter 1 next week. A brand new theological journey here on Masterclass Theology. As always, I'm Big Rev. And I'm Professor D. And we so thank you for journeying with us through Joseph these seven sessions. What a wonderful time this has been. God bless. Amen. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode. And I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.